Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So when we, when we scratch beneath the surface of the, and, and delve into the biographical histories of the most successful, in quote successful, you know, people in business and music and sport and art, we tend to find constant everyday um, battle, you know, between building confidence and responding and coping to the setbacks that we experience. But, you know, it's the response that we adopt, it's the mindset that we adopt to how we choose to respond to the setbacks which defines and separates actually some of the most um, talented sportsmen and women, but also most successful and determined sportsmen and women that I've been privileged to work with. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast, the show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. My name is Dr. Rupi. I'm a medical doctor. I also study nutrition and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me on this podcast where we explore multiple determinants of what allows you to live your best life. And remember, you can sign up to thedoctorskitchen.com for the newsletter where we give weekly recipes plus tips and hacks on how to improve your lifestyle today. My guest is Tom Bates. He's a performance psychologist and a UEFA A licensed coach who's been practicing for 15 years in creating and applying fast, easy and accessible performance enhancing techniques to elite sportsmen and women based on the science of psychology. His work has extended into other professional sports as well and works with GB athletes like basketball and swimming. He's also due to work with athletes in the postponed 2021 Olympics too. His work has also extended into psychology across business and healthcare, and he uses exercises that are designed to stimulate and inspire thought-provoking leadership skills through focusing exclusively on the management of self. He's currently in the final year of his professional doctorate and is engaged in a study inquiring into the nature of human potential and the causal variables associated with elite sporting performance, i.e., what helps human beings flourish in elite sport and i think today's podcast is really about what we can learn 
from elite sportsmen and women, i.e. those who are at the top of their game trying to squeeze out another 1% or 2% of performance. And how can we apply that to our own lives as well? We talk about a lot of different subjects today, self-awareness, perception, being optimistic in the face of negativity, building self-belief and having this bulletproof nature despite the insecurity that surrounds us and how to be authentic as well. I talk a lot about what things I've tried to conjure over the last couple of years that have allowed me to be um, successful in certain areas as well and what skills and practices to foster uh, these features of a positive psychology. So visualization exercises and law and the law of attraction uh, i think are, are two powerful powerful concepts that tom bates is a huge fan of as well i think you're really going to enjoy this podcast if you're struggling to maintain motivation or you want to make small steps towards something that could have profound changes to your uh, life going forward and this podcast is really for you i highly recommend you check out tom's uh, socials and links i've put them uh, on the podcast page myself and do subscribe to the newsletter we're going to put loads of this kind of content going out uh, forward i think it really will help you live healthier happy lives as well as the recipes that we put on the newsletter too so i'm going to stop waffling this is my conversation with tom bates i really hope you enjoy it Because I want to talk about a bit about your mission, about how you got started in this, where you're taking it. Um, but why don't we just start, as I'm sure, you know, you've repeated yourself many a time, but like how you got started, what your, you know, what your upbringing was like. Just just introduce me to you, because obviously this is the first time we're chatting. So I just want to know a bit more about you, I guess. Yeah, sure. So, well, so I guess if we, let's go freeze frame of where we're at right now. My job mm. My job is that um, I'm a professional performance psychologist. I work with Team GB, um, British Olympic athletes, uh, swimming, in swimming, preparing to go to the, the Games, the 2021 now, Games in Tokyo, Japan next year. A host of uh, Premier League Championship and low division footballers, teams, coaches, managers. And as we were speaking about previously, um, that involves quite a lot of travel, so really, I guess it it was and is and will be international internationally based. So it's a pretty privileged position to be in. I'm a I'm an author um, of the book The Future Coach, um, and uh, I speak also at different events and conferences around the world um, in lots of different countries. So that's I guess that's a snapshot of of, of right now. And if we go all the way back to the start, I grew up in a little place called Arbury in uh, Cambridge. I'm, I'm one of two children, have an older sister. Um, and I fell in love with the game of football or soccer, as the Americans would say. And I have to <laughs> be careful. Way. Yeah, when I, when I say soccer, <laughs> this is in, in Britain, right? We're going to do this in yeah, Britain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's largely British audience. So <laughs> good, good to know. Good to know. Um, so I can say football. Um, yeah, so then fell in love with the game of football and I guess got pretty good at it and was selected to play for the academy at Cambridge United um, and developed and excelled and but essentially wasn't good enough to break into the first team. And so, I, you know, played a little bit of semi-professional football, but um, continued my education in Cambridge at Long Road and studied uh, PE and psychology 
And then it was whilst I was studying PE that I was introduced to sports psychology for the first time. And I was really interested in coaching as well. And so I was searching for courses around the country that could combine uh, coaching and this aspect of psychology to improve mindset, to improve the mental and emotional sides of performance that I was starting to understand became defining factors um, mm. for players and for teams. And from my own experiences, I was always interested how, you know, I wasn't naturally, I wouldn't say I was naturally blessed with talent, but I would say that I maximized the talent that I had due to the mindset that I adopted and the work rate that I had. And then I would see other players that were really gifted around me, you know, teammates that went on to play first team football, but didn't necessarily maximize that talent because of their attitude. And so that whole aspect of, I wonder if it's possible to improve mindset. I wonder if we can train ourselves to become more confident, to deal with anxiety, to get the very best from ourselves under pressure. Is that possible? So the early curiosity sort of came from my playing days. And then I guess you could say that the passion and intention to coach later on um, ignited that, that flame. And I went to Bournemouth. I ended up choosing a course in Bournemouth, which was the only course at the time uh, that combined coaching and psychology. And the course was entitled Sports Psychology and Coaching Sciences. And so um, in the third year uh, was a placement year. So I went to AFC Bournemouth to apply what I thought that I knew from the textbooks and, and figured out that actually I, I didn't know anywhere near <laughs> as yeah. much as I thought I knew. <laughs> Uh, and really that year in industry, in, in, in the professional football world, I worked with a guy called Joe Roach, who was the head of youth, and Eddie Howe, who now is the first team manager. So I was around really good people, good football people from an early, early age. And the green shoots of, of sports psychology really started there and ended up flourishing um, into the career that I uh, went on to have. And ended up here in the Midlands. Yeah, yeah. That, that, there's so many f things there that I really want to pick up on. So when you started, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm assuming that sports psychology really wasn't a thing. It wasn't like, oh, if you change your mindset, you know, you're going to improve or get that extra 5-10% of performance. You know, I'm assuming it was still of the mindset of like, you know, if they've got good legs, if they've got good stamina, if they've got good um, uh, like strength, then they're going to be a good player. And that's it. And you either got it or you don't. You can work on it strength wise, but mental, not not really a thing. So was that was that something you had to come up against? Absolutely. In fact, um, I had to, you know, back then, what what was, what is sports psychology? What is it? We don't have one. We've never had one. I've never used one. So why do I need one now? And so I had to work for free for the first three months. I got paid as a coach to work in the center of excellence, coaching out on the grass, but I had to work for free to, to convince and persuade um, the coaches and the directors of the football club that it was a worthwhile investment. And, you, and absolutely, you're dead right. There was this perception of not, not only what is it, but, as, but then you meet the other side of the challenge, which is you can't be seen to be weak or talk about emotions in football because mm. you can't show weakness, you know. And the ones that actually had some kind of experience of working with a psychologist had different perceptions of what that is because it's a very global, there are lots of different types of practitioners within, you know, psychology or the work of psychology. So um, 
it was a challenge in the early days. And, and in fact, I say the early days, but I, I guess... I guess it was something that kept coming up in every football club that I worked in. And, um, you know, you only go and see a psychologist when you have a problem. Mm, yeah. And so defining that, what, what, what it is that I do early, I, le- I learned that lesson really early. You know, I'm not a shrink, I'm a stretch. I stretch performance. Mm. Come and see me when mm. you want to be the very best you can be. And of course, you know, after a period of time, everybody gets used to that. And then I leave that football club and I have to start again at a new football club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the process repeats itself, you know. I, I remember coming to Birmingham City. I, I, a funny story. I, I moved up from AFC Bournemouth and I, kept, I signed for Birmingham City Football Club. And I'd had the interview with the first team manager and the academy director. And they loved the idea of... of uh, so I got the job. And so now I'm thinking, mm. fantastic. Now this is a big club. It's a good opportunity. And I and I come first day at the football club. It's um it's team photograph day. So all of the academy players and the first team, and we all stand together. I'm walking across the indoor dome. And uh, this guy walks across into the middle and greets me. Um, gr- long grey hair, moustache, you know, elderly guy. He'd been at the club for years, head of recruitment. And he walks over and he says, oh, you're, you're, the new, uh, you're the new psychologist, aren't you? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be, it's my first day. I'm like, Every, this is fantastic. So I say, yeah, how you doing? Yeah, nice to see you. And hold my hand up to shake his hand like this. And he looked, I can't actually say exactly what he said on this podcast, but he looked at me and said, what a load of fill in the blank you know and he left me he left me with my hand out like this <laughs> you know and then I thought to myself this I might not have convinced everybody here that this is <laughs> so baptism of fire uh, how long were you there at that club for then well I stayed I, I it was probably about three and a half years yeah three seasons okay. um uh-huh with Birmingham and uh, ended up starting with the academy, but then worked as it became more popular. Um, and, you know, honestly, the players started to talk and say how valuable it was to them and that it was helping them improve their performance. So then the senior players kept, became involved and it became more popular. And of course, I ended up working with, with the senior players too. And, um, and essentially from, from then... Uh, the reason I've moved from so many different football clubs is because, honestly, better offers come in. And um, I've been privileged to, to have accepted some fantastic opportunities. That's amazing. And so and when it comes to sports psychology, because from, from my understanding, you know, you started with football. That was like your first love, essentially. Uh, and that's where you wanted to, to see what, what kind of benefits you can have. Uh, and now you stretch out into different sports modalities, GB, uh, swimming, etc. I'm trying to get across to listeners that it, it, it's not just about sports performance. I think you're privileged to work with uh, a selection of people that are already motivated enough to reach the top of their game. And to get to the top of their game, they've probably got to have those inherent qualities of drive, of purpose, of mission. So perhaps there are some nuggets of your experience that would be relevant to the person that struggles to start habits or to make those changes consistently throughout their lives whether it be eating better or perhaps um, just taking control of stress levels this is something that you know from a 
purely selfish point of view, I think I'm interested as well to learn. I'm always learning new little tips and tricks and stuff like that to, you know, from, from people such as yourself. So what kind of things that have you been able to instill into clubs, into individuals that perhaps other people could learn from? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating, it's a really good question. Um, and I think you're you're absolutely correct when you say that the principles from high performance sport can be applied and learned from across contexts you know that the things that the athletes are doing every day in fact I'll, I'll tell you a quick story there's um i was invited to give a talk to the england senior rugby team uh at penny hill park uh when stuart lancaster was the manager and um, it was part of a, a series of guests that came in to, to deliver some talks. And I spoke a little bit about mindset and spoke, addressed the players and the staff. And uh, just before I came in, Sir Bradley Wiggins also gave a talk to the, to the rugby team. And part of his talk uh, was he told a story and I'll share it with you now. He said, you know, every day. So this is Sir Bradley Wiggins speaking to the England senior rugby team, male senior side. He says, every day, boys, I go on this ride when I'm not training at the velodrome and um, I get to this roundabout on this ride. And when I get to this roundabout, I have two choices. I can go left and it'll be six more miles, two more hill climbs, and I'll get back to my house 20 minutes later. If I go straight over six less miles, plateau, and I get back. 20 minutes earlier. He says, boys, which one do you think I choose? And the, the lads obviously said, well, that's easy. You're, you're, you're an Olympic gold champion. You obviously choose to go left. Choose the harder choice. And he says, yep, yep, yeah, that's right, I do. And, and the rugby lads are like, but what's the point of the story then? <laughs> and he says, you see, the thing is, I do always choose to go left, but here's the bit that most people don't know. Every single time I get to this roundabout, there's two voices that pop up, one on my left shoulder and one on my right. And the one on the left says, just go straight over. No one's watching. You're the Olympic gold champion. You deserve a break. Put your feet up, have a cup of tea with the missus, get back, relax. And then he says, but the other voice comes in on the right and says, don't you dare, don't you dare even think about it. Now you've won the gold medal. You think you can just relax and take your foot off the gas, you know? And he says, he says, the thing is, boys, what I really want to share with you is that most people think that Olympic gold champions, they perform in the absence of fear or doubt or worry or stress or fill in the negative blank, right? still hear me yeah i can hear you <laughs> don't worry it's one of my premier league footballers that are trying to call me right now <laughs> no, go for it you can pick it up <laughs> we were just getting to the good part of the story <laughs> i love how this is like to i i got you to record just so it doesn't stop your flow <laughs> if the internet no, no, no. it's just life it's just life it's all good Ah, well, people will know this is real. At least, Ooh. at least they'll know it's real. Exactly, yeah. Um, so there you go. So actually, I, I do really work as what I said I, I work at. 
<laughs> they've just been reintroduced to training so they're in training now fours and fives for the first gotcha. time gotcha gotcha yeah in and around the, the some of their team team members as they uh, gradual slow uh, return to training so amazing amazing um so bradley wiggins so yeah he, so the last part of the story is that he says you know boys every time i get to the roundabout I, there's a fight most people think that we we become the best in the absence of any negativity or any conflict in a conflict he says that i, I always it's not, it's not true it's the opposite I always feel that feeling, that fight always happens, but I've just learned how to listen to the right voice. Mm. I've just learned how to listen to the right voice. And that's the reason why I love that story is because um, so many of us can relate to that, right? Mm. At, at some sort of level, whoever we are, wherever we are working, um, becoming this journey and quest for self-improvement is as we know, not a linear thing. <laughs> uh, we don't live in an X factor culture. You yeah. Know? You know, that graph that just like starts off down here and there's a straight line and here's success up here. Mm, mm. It's tempting to think because of, you know, social media and the influences of the media and uh, modern totally. instant gratification and all sorts of societal influences that we can sometimes think that it's very glossy and shiny and nice, you know, uh, I have a, a nine-year-old daughter and there was a, a fantastic, uh, uh, on a billboard the other day, I saw an advertisement and it said, um, don't worry if you don't look like the girl on the front of the magazine because the girl on the front of the magazine doesn't even look like the girl on the front of the magazine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so when we, when we scratch beneath the surface of the, and, and delve into the biographical histories of the most successful in quote successful, you know, people in business and music and sport and art, we tend to find a constant everyday um, battle, you know, between building confidence and responding and coping to the setbacks that we experience. But, you know, it's the response that we adopt. It's the mindset that we adopt to how we choose to respond to the setbacks which defines and separates actually some of the most um, talented sportsmen and women, but also most successful and determined sportsmen and women that I've been privileged to work with. I, I, I love that story and the context around it, because I think so many people can relate with that. I mean, I personally relate with that on a, on a daily basis. Those two voices, you know, something as trivial as it's 6.30 in the morning, you're meant to wake up, you're meant to go and do your workout before you start your day. And there's that voice saying, no, nah, no, nah, I'm too tired. I don't want to get up. I just can't be bothered. I'll do it tomorrow. Or I put that off. Or, you know, you're in a work environment and something irritates you and you can either just throw everything out of the water and just, you know, react in that moment and then it will ruin the rest of your day. Or you can listen to that quieter voice and actually say, just be introspective for a second listen to your feelings, accept that you're angry and then move on and actually channel that energy into something that's going to be a lot more productive for you. And I think those those binary choices, it's quite a nice way of thinking about it. 
Um, and I, I just wonder if there are like perhaps ways in which you've um, been able to conjure a bit more of that mindset. Maybe, you know, some things that you practice on, on a daily basis. I know I certainly have a few things that I, I've shared in the past with, with, with the community and, and stuff, but, but perhaps things that you do in your personal life and things that you've noticed that have worked for even the most motivated of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a few things. Um, I, I always remember discovering how important um, it is to start and end the day uh, in a particular way. And I, and I learned that lesson through working with an international footballer client of mine. His name is Sam Vokes. He, uh, yeah, he plays for Wales um, yes. and it has had a career in the Premier League. But we met at Bournemouth and he was 17 years of age. Um, Again, forgive the football story. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I love talking about football, so. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, we'd be in trouble if you didn't. So I met Sam when he was 17, and he was um, selected by the first team manager at the time, Kevin Bond, to play in the first team after they had a series of injuries. And Sam had only played a few games in the reserves. So he called me up and said, Tom, I've been selected to play in Saturday's game. For the first team, I've only played three games in the reserves. I'm, I don't know if I'm ready. You know, he was nervous. Yeah. But I said, I'll tell you what, let's get together. Consequently, I finished that conversation with Sam. And then the manager of Bournemouth called me and he said, Tom, I know you've been working with Sam. I'm a little bit concerned. I'm thinking of putting him in the team. Is he ready? <laughs> I said, Gaffer, no problems. He's fully ready to go. He's super confident. <laughs> Just give him the chance and he'll do the rest. <laughs> so, <laughs> So he said, great, thanks, I'll see you tomorrow. So I, met, I, met, I met with Sam and, um, you know, I asked him to think about something that is true and powerful for him, something about himself that's true, that he believes in, uh, and that is, that is a powerful um, thing to, to think about. And he came up with the phrase, anything is possible when I truly believe in myself. Anything is possible when I truly believe in myself. And I asked him to put that phrase that he came up with um, up on his bedside wall by his bedside cabinet. So every time in the morning he woke up, it would be the first thing that he saw. And I asked him to read it three times and, you know, spend the time absorbing what it meant. Last thing at night, he would read it three times before he went to bed. So it was the first thing that he saw in the morning and the last thing he saw before he went to bed. Long story short, he, he played in that game. He scored in that game. The affirmation wasn't the reason why he scored in the game, of course, but it absolutely had an impact on his um, attitude and mindset going into the game. So it went from negative to positive. He shifted mm. because what we focus on, we feel. So starting the day, creating the mood, that's the key thing. We mm. are the creators of our emotional states. If we're not the creators, we end up being the consequence. In other words, we're going to respond to events that happen in the day, right? And there's going to be some bumps in the road. We all get bumped along the way. Yeah. But critically, starting the day with something very powerful, very positive and true. And, you know, when he was doing this exercise, he said to me, after a while, I started to see myself scoring goals from all different sorts of areas on the pitch. Not because he was watching a video, but because he was really absorbed and immersed in this exercise and feeding from that positive energy mm. <clears throat> and you know he, he ended up getting sold for two hundred and fifty thousand pounds to Wolverhampton as the season later had a career in the Premier League and around eight months ago um, he sent me a picture 
on WhatsApp of this brown, old, crumpled piece of paper that had been framed from about 12, 13, 14 years ago. No way. And he has it up on his mantelpiece now in his mansion because he's a Premier League Mate, footballer. Yeah. Millions, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, you know, he still uses it to this day, that exercise as a reminder um, of how important we can train ourselves. You know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, one of, my, one of my favorites, he says, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. When we change the way we look at things, the things that we look at change. You see, what we focus on, we feel. But the other thing is what we focus on, we tend to get more of, mm. right? Mm. So if I start my day like Sam did with something that is powerfully empowering for me yeah. Yeah. to focus my thinking on some internal resource that's inside me, then that's very different from getting up and sit, you know, thinking about how it's another grey and drizzly wet day in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. A lot of days like that in Birmingham, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you see, so, so, so I would say to everybody who, who just wants something very simple to pick up and use straight away, mm. affirmations, written affirmations, quotes, phrases, not, not just wallflowers. I'm not just talking mm. about buying something that, you know, sounds quite cool. I'm talking about actually doing the internal work and finding something inside which is true for you. Mm. Because, you know, Nietzsche teaches us, doesn't he? And all of the, you know, philosophers, the great philosophers of the past, if you have a strong enough um, why, you can endure almost anyhow. He who has a strong enough why can endure almost anyhow. If we're able to focus on purpose, on the meaning, on the reason, why we are doing what we do now you know when i listen to you at the start of this conversation i've got so much admiration for you and respect and gratitude for doing what you do um and that's a i can't you know that i've got to praise you because that is such a powerful reason why i mean it's incredible I'm, you know and that's why i'm privileged to be speaking with you too i appreciate that tom no that's that's really really kind of you and there's so many things that resonate with me so much there, like the affirmations, the mantras in the morning. And, and one thing you said there, I just wanted to repeat for listeners is uh, that you are the creator of your own emotional state. And I think just that realization gives so much more control. Just the psychology around that just gives you so much more control of how powerful controlling your emotions can be. Um, you put a whole bunch of quotes on uh, on your on your Instagram as well that I, I like trawl through as well, and I just I love picking up on them. I snap them, but I think the other thing, and it, and it pertains to the story that you just told, is rather than just getting uh, anyone else's quote, anyone else's mantra, really try and personalize it for yourself. Do that body of work, whether it's you know half an hour or an hour. Really think about how do you want what does a perfect day start feel like to you. And I mean, I, I have my mantra. I've been doing it now for, I don't know, three or four years. Uh, and it's uh, in the morning, it's the world is beautiful. 
the environment is incredible and I'm loved and that's it. And I start every single day and I have it and I write it down. I started doing this a year ago with my left hand, writing down my left hand because it takes a lot more energy and focus to write with your non-dominant hand. So you have to really think, okay, how do I do this? And then you read it and you're like, okay. So it, it forced me to do it because otherwise you do your dominant hand, you're like, oh yeah, 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 whatever. All right, start the day. Um, and then the, my gratitude practice as well. I've, I've, I was practicing... Um, I still do think of three things every single day. The end of my day was positive. It could be the fact that it started off gray this morning and now it's beautifully sunny. Uh, I got a whole bunch of food sent to me today from uh, a company I'm collaborating with. And uh, I'm going to speak to my parents a bit later as well. You know, th- those little things that otherwise you don't recognize just how lucky we are. We won the lottery here. We are so privileged in our world to you know to have all these opportunities so i really love that and and the fact that it can relate to uh, a premiership footballer who seems like so far removed from perhaps some of the listeners uh, you know listening right now um i, I think that's so wonderful that's brilliant mm-hmm. oh, the reason why i love um I, I love what you're doing and i've listened into a few of your your shows and, and podcasts and obviously of course follow you on Instagram as well um, is um, is this idea that there's that phrase you are what you eat mm. um, and, and I love that and I've used that previously to and actually it's a bit out of context doesn't quite fit but it's not about food mm. but it's also about um, the influences that we surround ourselves with the people around us who we choose to associate with you know social psychology suggests that you start to think after a period of about 30 days you start to think and behave if you spend enough time around a certain number of people regularly enough you start to think and behave in the ways that they do mm. so you know we pick up on mannerisms and um, you know when you study the whole social psychology of this it also extends itself into beliefs internal beliefs and of course mindset and perspective mm. and perceptions So if I'm teaming up with you and I'm working alongside you and you're practicing gratitude, then soon enough, I'm going to also get involved in some of that and take Mm. that habit on, right? Mm. Start thinking new and positive ways. So something that I would really encourage um, everybody listening to do is think about who, who is your energy team? Who inspires you? Who uplifts you? Who has, who have the most uh, positive impact on you in your life right now? And there'll be some people out there that, you know, are energy vampires, energy yeah. sappers. You know, <laughs> I asked a client the other day, if you've got anyone that, you, you know, is taking your energy at the minute, they went, yep, I didn't even finish the question. They were like, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. But like sometimes they go, so what you're telling me is I've just got to cut that person out, right? I've just got to cut them out. <laughs> but they say, but I can't do that. I can't cut them out. I've got to, I'm forced to, I have to be in the office with them, you know? Yeah. So it's like, well, if you can't change something, change the way you think about it. If you mm. can't change something, change the way we think about it. And of course, we're always in control to change the way that we think. And if we change the way we think, then we can change the way that we feel because the emotional states that we create for ourselves end up defining in a sporting context performance, but in a, you know, in a life perspective, most of, if not all of the defining behaviors that um, in work, you know, in leisure Mm. uh, with our family members. And so that's a really simple thing to do when we think about it like that, who tops up the energy tank for me. What are the things that I do that give me energy that I love doing? 
yeah. you know, when I'm kind to myself. I, I really love to, um, to play golf and go for a run. And I know that if I haven't done those things for a long enough period of time, I start to get, you know, crumped up, a little bit tense. I, my mood changes. So that's another thing to do. What do you do? What do you love doing? Mm-hmm. And can you do more of that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I, there's so many um, things that I've, over the last couple of years, and this is me personally, have, have realized that I absolutely love doing. One of the things is meditation for sure. But the other thing is just taking myself outside of an environment, even if it is for five or 10 minutes. So I've, I started doing this thing because I, I don't have time for a bath. I love baths, but I don't have time for baths. Um, and in the morning when you go to work or or even if you just come back from work, it's quite hard sometimes for, for people to even get that 10 minute break where they can do a full meditation. And so I started doing this thing where in the shower, I would literally just put a little bit of essential oil, whether it be lavender, whether it be, I don't know, one of the, the Lang Lang or something like that, and just put it in the shower. And it's just, whilst the shower is just running for about six seconds, just breathe, just breathe through my nose. And that is just like my version of a meditation. And honestly, it instantly reduces my stress levels. And even if you can just do that as a habit, 60 seconds every single day, it's incredible the benefits that can happen uh, that can happen over an extended period of time. And and to your point that you were making about earlier about, you know, if you can't change the external factors around you, like your boss or the people you work with or, you know, your, your current environment, the one thing you do have the ability to change is your perception. It's your perception of the, of the environment around you. And it's not something you can just click and then flip, you know, oh, suddenly I'm happy. And I think that would be the skeptical remark in, in myself that I would say, you know, it's, it, you can't trivialize things. You can't just rationalize these things. It just takes practice. It takes so much practice to get that perception. And so when you're working with, with footballers to, to try and get them to change their mindset, I can imagine you must, have, you must have come up against a few brick walls along the way, right? How did you overcome those? Yeah, most definitely. Um, so, you know, when I, I guess when, when I start to, in a football club, probably if I was to, this is definitely live, you can hear the siren. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we uh, normally 30% of the, of, of the players buy in straight away. Mm. 30% are like, you know, I'm not really buying in, but I'm definitely not opting out. I'm not sure. So I'm open. Well, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. And then 30% are like, definitely not for me. No, thanks. But I'm just going to keep an eye on what you're doing anyway, <laughs> just in case. Right? So, 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 you know, there's, bar- there's all sorts of different barriers. But normally, you know, the great thing about what we just said is you have the power to reframe, to change your perception, to create a different outlook, to think about something in a different way. And if, you, if we do that enough and we reinforce it enough, it becomes a different story. It becomes, we start to see different things. So if you can't change your boss and you have to work with them, well, you can't change that. But what you can do is think about what, what, am I, what can I learn from this situation right now? So the question, we can change our lives by asking ourselves better questions. What's the great thing about this situation? Well, there's no great things, Tom. I'm frustrated. I'm continually frustrated by this man or this woman who's my boss and they do not understand me and they will not give me, I don't know, the breaks that I need. And they just won't, they just don't listen to me. They just don't, whatever, fill in the blank, Mm, right? mm. Great stuff. So why is that such a great thing for you? Well, what do you mean? It's not a great thing. 
you, you're not listening to what I'm saying. It's a terrible thing. My boss is awful. And I, so I will come back and continue to challenge until somebody finds something. If I had a million pounds right now, and I was going to offer you this million pounds to find one good thing about the situation, I'm pretty sure you'd find one good thing to get this million pounds, right? And obviously, it's just a little bit of a game. You get to, mm. you get to break down these barriers with, in fun ways. But um, I mean, I think the key thing is here is that we can um, always choose to look at things in a different way. And as you said, if we do that regularly enough, the picture changes and we mm. create different outcomes for ourselves. It might be that, you know, I am learning how to be patient. I'm learning patience. Or here's a classic one, right? I used to do a lot of work outside of sport and I'd have clients that come to me and say, he made me angry when he said, or she upset me when she did, or, you know, they really made me annoyed. And if we study the, the sort of the structure of that, of that sentence, if we dig deeper, what you find in that phrase is somebody who is giving away their emotional power to something or someone external to them. Mm. The truth is nothing, and this is a tough one, by the way, for anybody listening, this is, this is definitely not click your fingers, tomorrow you're a changed person. This is the constant everyday practice of thinking and working, doing the eternal work. Nothing outside of us, no one or no thing, has the power to change our emotional state unless we choose to give it power over us through the way that we think. And that's a pretty powerful thing to reflect on and consider. You know, my boss can call me all of the names under the sun. He doesn't give me the opportunities. He, you know, what, there's a great book called um, What You Think of Me is None of My Business. Yes. <laughs> It's one of the best titles. What you think of me is none of my business. I forget the author, but I love the title of the book because the author understands the concept very well. Yes. In quite a humorous way. No one or no thing can control our emotional states unless we give it the power to do so through the way that we think. And I never have to own it. I never have to own somebody else's behavior or something that happens or a past experience sometimes it's something that's happened in the past right and we just somewhere in the subconscious is buried in there and we, we keep going back to it and um it's difficult for us to get over and we keep mm. going back so we have to do that in i keep saying this internal work this internal work this process of understanding ourselves understanding what what has blocked us in the past Sometimes we have to forgive ourselves for mistakes that we've made. Sometimes we have to go back and reflect on some of the, the, the painful things that have happened in order, to, in order to really learn the lessons that were intended from those experiences. And that is, it's a difficult thing because it takes a certain amount of vulnerability, right? Yeah. We said at the start of this call that this isn't a quick fix. Hmm success doesn't happen overnight and along the way there's lots of different setbacks and bumps in the road and that's the same internally we have to be vulnerable enough 
but actually to be vulnerable is the greatest form of courage of all right absolutely yeah i mean as i've learned a lot more through my clinical experience so i've been a in uh in medicine now what well, i've been a doctor for over 10 years which in the grand scheme of things is a very short amount of time considering my senior colleagues um and when i first went to medical school over 15 years ago um i didn't think i would have thought about the emotional journeys of patients from birth to adulthood as having that much of an impact on the physical manifestations of illness but it and and physical manifestations aside, it certainly has a huge, huge impact on the emotional development of people, which can lead to holding on to negative energy and allowing exactly what you were saying at the start of people being able to be influenced by other people's uh, reactions and other people's words or other people's opinions. And as soon as you not only listen to and appreciate that other people don't have the power to affect your emotional state unless you give them power to do so and you start practicing that on a daily basis it's incredibly liberating and and for me you know i'm still i'm still practicing every single day it's a constant constant process um and i think with social media i think it's it's like a mirror it's you know or a magnifying glass It, it accentuates that vulnerability for certain people which is why it's a really really um difficult tool to use for some people and it can be very negative i find and i've certainly been on the receiving end of of negative energy and it's really affected me in a way it's like you know what why does that person think that that of me you know and 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 as as a people pleaser typical people pleaser um it's uh it's something i've had to work through and continue to work through but i think i think just the knowledge that you have the ability to change your emotional state yourselves by training your own sort of filters um i think that's that's incredibly powerful and liberating as i said yeah absolutely i can completely relate to that and i love what you just said because um when i was out in chicago speaking at a, a convention two years ago maybe the um the hosts they introduced me they gave me this great big long biography and there was about 600 people in the room and they called me an expert. And I just immediately cut, just like, no, that's the oh, wrong tell word. Me about it. <laughs> Don't, do not, call, do not, whatever you do. So I just said, I'm really sorry, but my opening line yeah. to the audience was, I'm not an expert. If you're here to listen to me as an expert, we're all in big trouble because I am learning so much and I've got so much to learn. So I love what you just said because. I'm right in that boat with you. This this internal work is an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. Um, so I, I love what you just said. Yeah, I think you know, particularly coming out of this um, this lockdown, uh, a lot of people are going to be insecure, um, and I think there's going to be a lot of like a, a, a what well, it, it, it's going to be a difficult time uh, for the next few months at least. Um, I, I'm wondering if you have any sort of like some words that could help manifest like a a bulletproof nature, something that like, you know, every elite sports person aims to achieve, particularly, you know, in football with all the negative comments that you get from the press and 
uh, the fans and, you know, all the attention. I mean, it must be so, so heavy to hear, like such a weight of responsibility. How, how do you teach them and what can we learn from from that experience of elite professionals that can help us through this period going going forward and beyond? Yeah, no, it's, it's a really good question. Think straight away. Um, and I did this yesterday with a client. It's such a simple exercise. If we were to imagine ourselves... <clears throat> Uh, with um, little weights attached to us on the, on a string, right? And there are certain influences or things that weigh us down. And we know what they would be if we were to think about those. And for example, social media is generally more increasingly, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great stuff. And if you if we use it in the right way, there's some great sources of inspiration. Um, I'm not putting it down. Uh, it's the reason how we found each other, uh, one of the reasons that we yeah. found each other. So there's a lot of great things about it. I think generally there's a lot. There's also big dangers associated with comparing ourselves to other people's filtered perfect lives, which actually don't exist. Um, this constant stream of instant gratification, this constant searching, being glued to a device, first of all, for so long, mm. psychologically, physically, is absolutely not healthy if it's an extended period of time. So... If I was imagining one of the weights being social media, then then metaphorically, can I just take the scissors and just snip it off? And all of a sudden, I become a little bit lighter. And so we did that in an exercise yesterday. And um, because of that, there were some really good, detailed, specific actions. You know, the physical changes that we can create in our lives immediately. The one thing I would say about coming out of this um, this phase of, of, of all, in all of our lives is that um, there, we come back to asking ourselves better questions. What have we had the opportunity to do in this period of time? For me, as a father, I've spent some great time telling my kids stories about growing up, friends and family members, checking in on FaceTime and, and connecting more and communicating more with people, mm. even speaking to the neighbours. I've washed my own car for the first time in like, <laughs> I don't know, however many <laughs> however yeah. many years. But even the act of just washing the car and seeing the neighbours out in the front drive and having a chat with them, you yeah. see, we, how, where did that go? We, we kind of lost all of that because life is so fast and so busy. It's, we get into this business of constantly striving, of constantly striving and never arriving, constantly striving, never arriving. It's like this, this hamster wheel that we're on. It goes yeah. round and round and round and we never really arrive. So one thing I would love to, for, for other people to consider is can, there's, a, there's a DVD called The Shift. There's a book called The Shift by Dr. Wayne Dyer. From ambition to meaning. The shift by Dr. Wayne Dyer from ambition to meaning. And that's what I really think personally I've had the opportunity to do. Reflect on not just the professional ambitions or academic ambitions that I, that I have, you know, but also to think about, am I living my life on purpose? Am I, am I living a life helping other people to improve the quality of their lives? Um, I can't think of a, for me personally, I can't think of a greater joy 
than to be able yeah. to. It's why I'm so alive in this in this podcast with you because we're yeah. aligned. We share that energy. We plug in, and there's an amplification of energy going on. You know, I'm plugged into you. You're plugged into me, and out of that, something is something is growing. There's an energy here, and that's a real energy. I hope anybody listening to this can pick up on that too. And I'd ask them to think about, you know, who are the people that you plug into that that amplify your energy. Can you find a playlist? What's the music? Do you, can you go to the place that that you love to go to? Can you do some of the things that you love to go to? And you know, if people are listening, going, well, that doesn't really address the question of what about you just said about being insecure when we come out of this. And there are some real challenges: financial challenges, economic challenges, of course, health health driven challenges. I'm not saying I'm not pretending for one minute that those aren't real challenges at all. I'm saying that we have the power inside of us, each and every one of us, to respond and be a better version of ourselves than we were before because of this situation. Is that even possible? Oh, can we be even better versions of ourselves after this? And of course, you know, I know I'd love to see you smiling. You know, the answer is yes. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I, I think like when you speak to people who have faced adversity and been able to come out of that, you know, and it can be, it doesn't have to be a huge life changing uh, event. I mean, my personal event was when I was ill ten years ago and I had atrial fibrillation and I felt vulnerable and I knew what it was like to be a patient and I was able to overcome that that led to everything that I'm doing right now. The very inception of this podcast is because of that point where I felt so low and so vulnerable in myself and so scared and embarrassed actually that as a 24 year old, I had an illness and I was quote unquote healthy. Um, you know, th th that's just like an example of how we can grow from adversity. Um, and I think one of the, one of the, best things I, I i've come across in, in terms of your work on, on youtube and stuff is, is your ted talk in in bournemouth and that energy that you just displayed there that that sort of that knowledge base as well that excitement really comes through in the visualization exercise that you lead this whole audience and i encourage everyone to to go and watch it and, and listen to it and do the exercise as well we get everyone to stand up uh, and, and you talk them through everything because I think that's such a powerful tool. And we can all do that. I've done visualize ex uh, visualization exercises over the last couple of years myself, probably not as often as I should do. But every time I do it, I just feel refreshed. I feel like, yes, I can do it. And I think if if anyone is feeling insecure out there and they do that visualization exercise, like what do you actually want to feel like? It It may in some ways over time manifest itself. Um, and I, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, whether you call it the law of attraction or, or, you know, whatever it is, I, I really think that people can, can benefit from, from those things. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. 100%. You know, this, when we, when we talk about this thinking or thoughts, we're, we're actually speaking at a metaphysical level. Scientifically now the research is so well corroborated that it undisputedly proves that thoughts contain energy. Every thought that we have contains energy. If we think about stress, for example, yeah. where does that come from? You know, the definition is um, a perceived inability to respond. The, the, the underlying part in that definition is perceived perception. Yeah. 
perception. That is a thought which causes my shoulders to feel cramped and that's thought energy. So imagine if we are able to reverse that and think about the things, you said it earlier, the things I feel grateful to have. Gratitude, the sh that power of gratitude in energy terms is incredible for creating a life, a happier, healthier life. And it doesn't cost any money. We don't have to download any apps. We don't have to follow a, a certain program to do this. Yeah. You can do it right now. Right now, we can just get thankful for the things. Make a list, you know, three things, five things, 10 things you're grateful for. Um, simple. The answers, Rupi, are basically so fundamentally simple. Mm. And one of the problems is that we're looking for com complex ways to yeah. be happy. And we, we're being programmed all the time about what to buy in order to be back into striving. How do I become, well, if I get this product, you know, then uh, my, I'll definitely get this, these abs that, I'm, that I'm, I've been, you know, the gym program has been telling me, which costs 400 pounds a month, that I'll get them, I'm yeah, sure yeah. I'll get them. You know, actually, <laughs> actually, you know, there's other ways, there's other ways. So, but, but, you know, I think that's a big thing. Thinking simply, thinking clearly, um, to, to refine the way. That's a good word, perhaps, to refine the way that we think about ourselves. There's a great quote by Henry Ford. It says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you'll be right. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you'll be right. So that must be true then. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I want people, I want that to sit with people for sure. That's, yeah, that that I think sums up our entire conversation right there. <laughs> Tom, honestly, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Um, this has been really insightful for me. It's kind of it reignited an excitement for me doing a lot more sort of internal work, um, uh, being a lot more, present with my thoughts i think uh, for sure and i think it's definitely going to help a lot of people um you're you're involved in a a couple of projects um to the gb 2021 if it's going to be 2021 um and obviously the premiership footballers that keep on calling you during this podcast uh it's just good to see you're in demand <laughs> what uh what 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 are your future ambitions turning the turning the lens on you now what are your future ambitions going forward over the next like year or a couple of years five years <sighs> this is going to be a very deep philosophical way to end this but uh i'll try to i'll try to <laughs> no, no, go for it go as deep as you like <laughs> yeah uh, well uh, okay so so what I've started to realize as I've come out of this phase of striving to live on purpose, to, to live with meaning, is that things, people, opportunities, projects that I would never have possibly conceived of before or, or even imagined find me. It's almost like as a result of working on myself, opportunities are coming out of nowhere opportunities to travel internationally, to work in education, to work in business, to work across contexts in lots of different disciplines. Healthcare, I was invited uh, over to Dubai and um, recently. Uh, but so what I'm saying is, and all I can say is the more I work on myself and get my energy right, the more, the more these opportunities to have a greater influence 
in people's lives tend to present themselves. I mean, that sounds very, very abstract and, and very sort of wishy-washy. But I, so I'm completing my professional doctorate. I'm in the last year of that. Um, I would really, my marker of success, Rupi, is others that I work with succeeding. I really, really, really am passionate about seeing them succeed in what they do. And um, so for all of the sportsmen and women, for all the businesses, for all the schools and children and teachers and parents and everybody that I'm associated to, I really feed from their success. And it's a funny yeah. thing, isn't it? It's, less, it's become less about me and, and more about the, the joy that I get in seeing others succeed. And yeah. um, what about you? What does the next 12 months look like? I, I just want to echo that actually, mate, because I think the more are uh, over the last few years the, the and it's never like you said at the start it's never been that trajectory it's always been like you go down you go up you go down you go up but you you trend towards where you kind of want to go and you just need to be able to celebrate the wins and not read too much into the into the lows or the knocks um and i i, I i'm quite i, I get uh, like a little bit nervous or I, I don't take compliments very well. And that's why I don't really tend to celebrate my successes perhaps as much as I should. And that's been a criticism of, of a few of my mates as well. Like, you know, you need to stop being so hard on yourself. And I think we're all really hard on ourselves these days. You know, we, we don't really appreciate just how lucky we are, what we've done or, or whatever. But the more I work on myself, yes, I think the better outcomes I get. And the more authentic you are with yourself in terms of, you know, you, your genuine passion, where that comes from for you, you know, your metric is performance of someone else. And for me, I, I tell you, the, the, someone was asking me this, actually, a, a good friend of mine um, just yesterday it was like, what, what actually makes you tick? And I was like, honestly, when I see someone has made one of my recipes and they enjoyed it, that for me makes everything worthwhile. Honestly, it just lights up my day, lights up my day so much that someone's tagged me in a picture or just said, this is great. Or like, got this book the other day and this is all right. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> honestly, it just, it lights up my whole day. And if I could just do more of that, that would be wonderful. Um, but the bigger vision, I guess, and it's why, you know, I started the nonprofit with culinary medicine to try and teach doctors how to, you know, utilize nutrition a lot better in, in medicine. Um, for me, it's, you know, to, to help people eat doctor's kitchen meals every day with the view of helping everyone live healthier, happier lives and trying to eradicate the conditions that are in a large part preventable. Um, which dominates the current healthcare landscape. And it's just, for me, it just seems really inequitable and really unfair that we should be living in this in, in this time with such technology and so much, you know, wealth that we shouldn't we shouldn't have these conditions. So yeah, it's a, it's around that and education and working on myself, obviously. <laughs> it's amazing. I knew we were aligned. We had to do this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. This is yeah, this has been it's been a bit of a session for myself, if I'm honest, Tom. Ah, well, you know, the thing is, it seems quite selfless of me to come on here with you, but I knew that you were inspiring. And uh, so I knew that I'd be uplifted and inspired myself <laughs> through doing this with you. <laughs> That's what we're doing, you see. This is the art. This is actual evidence of practicing what we're talking about. We're doing yeah. that which we're asking other people to think about right now. I'm definitely amplified by your energy. It's been a great pleasure to be with you here.
Remember, you can find my guest Tom Bates on the podcast show notes at thedoctorskitchen.com. Whilst you're there, do subscribe to the newsletter. To summarize our conversation, we talked about self-awareness, perception, being optimistic, and building belief in that bulletproof nature despite insecurity and negativity around you, as well as how to conjure being your authentic self. And that is very individual for everyone creating mantras that are for you creating quotes that are personalized to you i think these things even though they might sound a bit woo and a bit silly actually do have tangible benefits down the line so practice visualization is one of the best things that i've ever done um, and, and really engage in that law of attraction it really does help you achieve whatever your goals are however little or however big and unrealistic just practice it and you'll be in- amazed to see what can actually happen it really is the secret for want of a better word make sure you check out my my guest uh, on the podcast show notes and i will catch you here next week